Welcome to Run This World. I'm your host, Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur turned 50-year-old mom of an 11-year-old. And no matter what stage and age I am, I always feel happier when I'm learning, growing, and connecting. And when I find amazing things that help me learn, grow, and connect, I naturally want to share. This is an episode in a special series about women, midlife, and menopause. My goal is to help women understand, learn, and handle the changes we experience as we age. We're obviously very different emotionally and physically at 50 than we were at 20 or 30 or 40. I just so happen to be in the perimenopausal stage of life, so much of this series focuses on what happens during the transition before, during, and after menopause. All right, today you will hear a rousing conversation with the amazing, most energetic Dr. Mindy Pels. I learned about Dr. Pels when I was walking Pickle, my dog, on the trail near my house. And a couple of my friends walked up. They were talking about this amazing doctor who was recently on Danica Patrick's podcast, sharing her expertise on women and fasting and how the number one thing we can do is plan our lives around our cycles. I was like, okay, I need more of this. It was a new outlook, actually, the last part that I hadn't heard before. Plus, I don't really know all that much about fasting, intermittent fasting, all kinds of fasting. So it's interesting because what she suggests that is that instead of trying to push through the waves that our cycles bring, you know, when you're like feeling crabby, push through it, drink more caffeine, like just push. She, Dr. Pels, was suggesting that we honor our cycles and plan our schedules our productivity needs, our brain power needs appropriately around what our hormones are naturally doing. Um, She calls it understanding the language of hormones. So I was like, I got to talk to her. I hope she'll do my show. Um, I cold emailed her website and then I kept hounding her until she just one day wrote me a note and said, just scheduled. Um, we had the greatest conversation. She literally felt like my best friend, which is funny because my best friend is also a Mindy, but, um, she will feel like your best friend too. And while we were talking, my mind literally exploded multiple times, especially when we talked about training as a female athlete and this like new outlook she had on it. You got to listen all the way through. It's so freaking good. I wish I knew then. But you know what? Whatever we learn now, we can take forward for ourselves and we can also share with our kids, which is amazing. Um, And it was really funny. We had a couple glitches, like with the airwaves, and I just decided to roll with them. I didn't edit them out because, and she suggests this, and you'll hear her say it about 30 minutes in, that's what hormones do. You're going along just fine and then blammo. They hit you hard and they sideline you, but you can get back on track. Okay. Before you get to hear from the amazing Dr. Mindy Pels, that is Dr. Mindy P-E-L-Z. Make sure you get over and check her out. I can't wait to share the latest and greatest from our sponsor, Inside Tracker. Uh, Just like Dr. Pels, Inside Tracker shares the same goal 
They want to help you maximize your health at every age and stage. As you know, if you've been listening, I've now done multiple blood draws with them and I just received my DNA test results. I wish I had them for my conversation with Michelle Darian. It's so interesting. Um, I suggest that if you're going to use this service, you add a DNA test, which is super simple. It comes separately. You just swab your mouth and you send it in. My test showed some things that I, ex- I, I kind of suspected, like I have an elevated risk of having a higher fasting glucose, which I, I think makes sense because uh, various family members in my family tree have had diabetes or kind of been on the cusp of higher blood sugar. Um, I also have an average risk of glucose intolerance and lactose intolerance, which is good because it doesn't mean I have a high risk. And I've always just wondered, like, is eating too much bread bad or is eating too much yogurt bad? Anyway, um, and finally, I didn't even know this was a thing. I have an elevated potential to drink more caffeine than most people. How do they, there's like, they can see that in your genes. Like, it's like they were spying on me. Like, they knew I like to drink more caffeine. But what can happen is that can affect my sleep. And especially during perimenopause, sleep can be tricky. Um, It's so cool. So my test, from what I could tell so far, it's spot on. Um, and, And totally with things that I didn't even know could be tied to genetics It was so interesting to learn about those things and to now be aware of them. Anyway, so much amazing information for me to take my health into my own hands. And you can too. Just go to insidetracker.com backslash run this world for 20% off their entire site. Do it now. And while you're at it, go over to drmindypels.com and get her book Fast Like a Girl. Oh my gosh, it's absolutely amazing. You're going to hear more about it today, but I had to give her a quick little shout out before you hear her voice momentarily. All right, now let's get on with the show. Oh my gosh, Wendy, you're so awesome. Thanks for joining me today. Of course, thank you for having me. Um, I love all your Fast Like a Girl merch. It's like you're surrounded by it. Well, you know what's so funny is that... um, Fast Like a Girl, the title is something that was near and dear to my heart. We can chat about that in a more a moment. And but teal is my favorite color. So when they when I when Hay House said that they would put it on the like make the cover that color, I was like, oh my God. So of course there had to be, there had to be all versions of the teal and the fast like a girl around me because it's it is me. So well, that's the benefit of, you know, creating something. You get to choose a color that looks good on you. That's right. That's right. They actually wanted it to be white. It was actually white in the beginning. And I'm like, this is boring. And I sent it to my agent, the the uh, the, co- the sample cover. And she's like, this isn't you. So it was really fun that they let us do the teal. Oh, my gosh. You know, you're the kind of person that everyone feels like they know. I'm actually yeah. very lucky to a- a- actually have this opportunity to talk to you individually. You. But even if I didn't, I'd be like, oh, yeah, my friend Mindy was telling me. <laughs> You know, I need to do X, Y, or Z. I'm on board. It's because you're so real. You know, that is truly, I think, why people gravitate to you 
in a field that it's not crowded at the moment. In fact, there are a lack of experts helping women with these this crazy hormone journey that we're on. But like, I I just love how you lay it out there. I was listening to your uh, Resetter podcast recently. Um, I was, you know, of course, had to listen to the episode with Leanne Rimes, rock star. And you were like, you were laying the foundation about like why this work you're doing is so needed. And you're like, yeah, is it a conference full of doctors? They didn't know anything about our hormones. It's criminal. And I was dying. I'm like, it's criminal. It is criminal. They should all be in jail. That, right, exactly. We're going to put you in hormonal jail. <laughs> Done. Well, that's actually why we're talking today, because I feel like so many of us feel like we're in hormonal jail and we don't know how to get out. There's no like get out of jail free card. So, so oh, well said. So oh, my gosh. God. Now you're making me cry. I um, feel like crying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, so I hear you and and I and I want to say thank you for um, highlighting that and especially on a on a podcast, because that's why I do everything that I'm doing is to free us all from hormonal jail. And the only way that we're going to start to free us is if we have conversations like this, if we are willing to be vulnerable and say, yeah, you know, menopause, the hormone madness that went on in menopause made me crazy. Or yeah, the week before my cycle, I don't want to do anything. I want to sit on the couch and eat a box of pizza and tell everybody to go the F away. Like it's, it's the opportunity that this book brings is for all of us to stand up and go, yes, we are navigating these hormones and some days we've got it and some days it's messy, but we need to come together and support each other in it. And that is what I'm hoping this book does is crack that conversation open. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you've already like created other books and I've like really you've bathed in this research and knowledge like, yeah. you know, it better than anyone. I want to I want to start by saying that my biggest perimenopausal symptom is brain fog. Oh, yeah. So I 10 years ago, I was an amazing interviewer. And like I I knew the words that I wanted to say and they actually came out my mouth. And now I'm that person who's like, can you um get that that thing? It goes in the thing. And then you yep. sit there and you describe both things. You're like the thing that you put food in to keep it cold. Oh, yeah, that's a refrigerator. Right. You know, like, oh, so I'm just going to say right now that, you know, I'm going to do my best. Oh, words sometimes elude me. You know what? So so here I'm just going to say and I want everybody listening to this, that that is completely normal as you go through your 40s and 50s and you navigate the perimenopausal time into the menopausal time. There needs there's a transition. And the hardest part, body part that to deal with this transition, the struggles with this is the brain. And it, you know, you have to recalibrate to the loss of estrogen. Estrogen is neuroprotective. So as she starts to decline, there's, there's a literally a recalibration of that. And in that recalibration, we forget words. Um, I've been doing, I'm, I'm 53. I'm still got a, a bit of a cycle. And I will tell you, I've been on all these interviews for the book and I still have moments where I'm like, oh shit, I don't, what did they say? I forgot what they asked me. And so I've literally learned to fill in some, some language, some, some sentences before the brain goes, oh yeah, they asked me this. And, so and you're so, like, yeah, you're creating tools to compensate. That's right. Oh my gosh. You yeah. know, uh, first, before we really dig in, how did you get into this line of work? Yeah. How did I go here? 
Um, well, you know what? I think it was a combination of uh, trying to find a solution for my own health in the 40s. And then just in my in my clinical practice, what I started to notice is that women were coming in, you know, with multiple symptoms. Like when I was first in practice, women came in and said, I have migraine headaches or I can't lose weight. But, you know, fast forward 20 years later, they were coming in and saying, giving me the laundry list of symptoms that they had. And the most common thing that they saw or that they said was, please, whatever you do, I need something that doesn't make me have to go back to my doctor because he, a lot of times it was a he, he would not he's not hearing me. He's not listening to me. And all he's doing is prescribing me an antidepressant. So as I was trying to help these women help myself, I discovered fasting and I started to implement it. And um, I found that it was an incredible way to balance estrogen, which is what we lose as we go through um, our perimenopausal years. I started to notice I didn't work out to keep my weight where I wanted it anymore. I worked out for my brain health, which gave me the opportunity to change my workouts up and and so and be a little softer with myself and more yoga and stop pounding the pavement to lose weight because fasting was helping me lose weight. So all of these puzzle pieces of how to help me and these women came together when I discovered fasting. And that's truly how the book was born. Oh, my gosh. Well, and, you know, I, I was looking at your Facebook and I, too, often do like word association in my life. And you said my word for 2023 is connection because you were going through some things last year, which like decreased connection. And you were like, yeah. I want to get that back. And so you've changed your business and your platform to be able to connect with more people. Is that Am I accurate? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you read that exactly right. Yeah, but, yeah. I actually, if I, last year my word was mission because I've been on this mission to help women. But if I had to give it a sub word, it would have been grief um, because there was so much change. And, you know, this is something else I think as women we don't talk about, um, especially when we go into our 40s and our 50s, is that um, we, our identity changes. You know, if you're a mother, your kids grow up. Um, a lot of divorces happen. Um, your body is changing. So your youthful identification to your body feels different. And so the 40s and going into the 50s is really about us finding ourselves again. And But in that, it's the shedding of the old, and yet the new hasn't emerged. So last year was me really sitting in the grief of the loss of a lot of things. And when I chose my word this year, it was like, I need to come back to my center and I need to know that I'm connected to me. I'm connected to a higher power. I have some incredible relationships in my life that I want to pour my energy into. Um, and so it just, it, what it, I look at that word of the year as a North Star um, that, that reminds me what my intention is. So I'm glad that you saw that. And I, and I hope everybody picks a word because it can anchor you in what you want to create in a year. It can. And, you know, I think a big part of... Uh, that's wrapped up in what you just talked about is the concept of actually letting go. So right. you may have loss, but you may not be letting it go. You're grappling. You're trying to hang on for dear life. You're like, one day I will fit in those clothes again. You know, one day I will climb the same mountain at the same, you know, speed again. And the truth is we're constantly changing. Like those days okay. are done, man. So it's letting go and then embrace where you are. Right. Right. So, so there's so many 
key concepts in what you just said, and I don't want people to lose this. So if you look at the world we've been living in, it's been a very, and you hear a lot of discussion about the patriarch and um, it's been a very masculine uh, driven world. And, and this is not to say that's bad. It's just that the feminine has been lost. And we have been in a very linear, and when it comes to health, we do this all the time and we do not understand that it is a more masculine patriarchal way to look at it, which is I have a symptom Therefore, I need a diagnosis and then I need a plan. And that is a very linear one-to-one-to-one way of approaching your health. And what I did in this book and what my plea to women is if you just look at your hormones, your hormones have a rhythm to them. They they cycle in, they cycle out. Some parts of the month, if you have a cycle, you're going to be, your your mind is going to be super focused and you're going to be really on point. And then there's parts of the month that you're crying. And you want to sit on the couch and tell everybody, go away. That's how you were designed. That's how you were designed because you have more hormone hormones in you than men do. So as we as we read this book, as we listen to these podcasts, what I'm also hoping is we bring the feminine back to, to our healthcare system. And that means us understanding ourselves, learning our own intuitive ways, um, and really asking ourselves, if my doctor gave me a, a prescription is that prescription right for me? You know, I had a um, a patient the other day who was contemplating going on antibiotics. Her doctor was like, absolutely, you need to get on these antibiotics. So she called me and we chatted and I said, what does your intuition say? And she's like, I don't, it doesn't feel right. And I said, okay, let's, let's just sit on that for a day. Next day, we checked in. How, what does it say today? I'd still, you know, this could be viral. I don't know if it's bacterial. And she knew that antibiotics could destroy all the good bacteria. We sat on that for about a week until the cold turned and she never, ever had to take the antibiotic. And so she never came out of that with having to repair the microbiome decimation that happens with the antibiotics. But that's an example of bringing the feminine back into our health habits and our healthcare system. It's also a perfect example of the fact that like your gut matters as much as your brain, as much as the data on a piece of paper, like tapping and tuning into yourself is utterly important in every decision you're going to make for your own health. That's right. That's right. And, and if you look at, so here, if we go back to the feminine of healthcare, um, the microbiome. So to your point about the gut, the microbiome is is providing you so much goodness. It is giving your immune system. It's giving you serotonin that's going to make you feel good. It's breaking down estrogen so you can actually use the estrogen that you're that you're making. So there's so much goodness in there. But when we walk into our doctor's office, what the lens in which they are seeing health through is the cellular lens because that's how they've been trained. How do we manipulate the cell? And when you're given a diagnosis like RA or lupus or Hashimoto's, they give you the cellular answer, which is um, it's in your genetics. But w- when we look at a more complete approach to health, the feminine version of that would be, and what is controlling your cell? What has an influence on your cell? And that's your microbiome. The two have to have to work in synergy together. So there's so many aspects of healthcare that we're missing out by not bringing this feminine approach to it. Yes. Well, okay. So at the core of all of this, 
you help women create the lifestyle they want around their hormonal cycles, right? Absolutely. Well said. Perfect. Bam. So what is this though? What does that mean? I mean, are we all following the same hormonal cycle? Mm -hmm. Like talk about what this means. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good question. So here's what I'm going to say that will help everybody, hopefully, is that when we look at men and different and women, we're massively different. And um, men have one hormone they have to focus on. That's testosterone. Now, it, we can all chuckle at that and be like, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. But it, really, if we break it down, testosterone gets secreted in a man from a, a communication from the brain and the testes. And it once they make testosterone, it goes up into the brain and converts into estrogen. Estrogen is neuroprotective for both men and women. So when a man is getting enough testosterone, if his brain is healthy, he's going to get enough estrogen. So he's got one one thing to drive at. Um, and fasting, by the way, for a man, I mean, it's it's the bomb. I don't even understand why a man wouldn't do fasting. I mean, if nothing else, it raises your a man's testosterone by 2,000% one 24-hour fast. It's, it's incredible. So, but as women, we have three hormones that we've got to think about. We've got estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And all three of those hormones are made and produced from communication from our brain and our ovaries. The outer part of our ovaries are called our thecal cells. They respond to communication from the brain and they and, and the brain tells it more estrogen, more testosterone, more progesterone, depending on what part of the month that you are in. Okay. When we look at these three hormones, the biggest conflict we have is that progesterone and estrogen look like twin sisters. They're given the same last name. They're given the clumped in the same category of hormones, but they have vastly different personalities. So estrogen, she is very stress tolerant. You go through a stressful time, she's fine. Estrogen also wants you to keep glucose low. Estrogen wants you to keep toxins low. Um, but you can, you can absolutely, if you, if you have a lot of stress, it's not going to tank your estrogen. Progesterone is completely the other way. The week before your cycle, she actually makes you more hungry, makes she makes you crave carbs, and many times makes you crave chocolate because she needs glucose to be higher. She makes you sit on the couch because she needs cortisol to be lower. So she is completely the opposite of estrogen. So in a cycling woman, Estrogen comes in in the front half of our cycle and progesterone comes in in the back half of our cycle. In a perimenopausal and menopausal woman, she is losing both estrogen and progesterone. So there's a little bit of a different art there for her. But in general, that's the difference. And that's why, to your point, my mission is for to teach women how to speak the language of their hormones. So then they can build a lifestyle around it that matches that language. And now they are in sync with their body. They're not working against it. So, okay, I love this. So I'm sitting here going, well, so don't I always want to be on like the estrogen high and like never have the progesterone lazy lows? Like that's what you think you might want, right? So what I'm hearing is there are times in your cycle when you're more productive, when you're more energetic, when you're more positive and times in your cycle when you're not. 
And that what you're saying is we kind of need to accept that because that is our freaking cycle instead of fighting it and adjust our lifestyle to it. Yes. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. What you said. Done. <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, no, goodbye. We can end the podcast now. But here's, here's what, I, what I want people to hear from that is that as women, our, our behaviors, our moods, our thought processes, whether we like it or not, there's a lot bigger range. And men, and that's hormonally driven. Men don't have that same range. Now, these are generalizations. And I know we have conversations that have come up about, well, what about if you're non-binary and all of that? But in general, when we look at the differences between these two hormones, we as women have uh, this bigger spectrum, which means that we need to start by giving ourselves grace. So, you know, I, I'm a competitive athlete. I played on a tennis scholarship in my twenties. Um, and I know discipline. I know push through. And I can tell you that that push through patriarchal masculine mentality to my health has hurt me more that more times than I can count. And if I had known what I know now in my twenties, I wouldn't have been injured. I wouldn't have gone on extreme diets like I did and gained more weight in the end of it. I wouldn't have had chronic fatigue. I would have had a, a I wouldn't have beaten myself up the guilt, the shame that comes with that. So, so to your point, we need to start to accept that there's a wider emotional range, there's a wider range in our energy, there's a wider range in our appetite. And then how do we step into that in a healthy way? For example, the week before our period, when progesterone shows up, you need more glucose. That doesn't mean you eat, uh, you sit on the couch and you have a box of pizza and a tub of ice cream. It means, okay, let's bring in nature's carbs. And that's what I teach in Fast Like a Girl is I'm trying to show that, that there's a natural, I called it the nurture phase because there's a natural way to nurture yourself. Um, so it's just, it, it's just us taking a step back and starting to see that we, all the things we've been hating about ourselves, all the things that we've been bitching about, villainizing are actually normal rhythms of our hormones. So how do we embrace them in a positive way? I, you know, I, it, it, when I'm relating to a lot of this, um, I want to talk about the athlete part for a minute because a yeah. lot of people listening are athletes. They're not world-class athletes. Most people are like, I want to run some 5Ks this year. Um, I too was an athlete. I was a pro athlete for years in my late 20s, early 30s. And I never timed my competition schedule around my period. And that was a time in my life when my period actually was regular. Now I don't yep. know if I ever could. And I want to get there with you in a minute. But, um, what, like, do you actually, could you actually, you know, say that you would, physically perform better during different times of your cycle. Yes. So yes. real quick too, on the episode you did with Leanne Rimes, of course, I want to relate to her. You know, we all do. So She's I'm like, reasonable. okay, she performed, maybe not as an athlete, but she performs on a, a nightly yeah. basis. And yeah. you actually said, hey, let's plan your next uh, performance calendar year around your, you know, your cycle. And I just thought, God, any of us who are in a career or doing physical activities where performance, we want to have high performance. Tell us how it is, how you would go about trying to plan for that. What part of the cycle 
you know, what to expect? Uh, I, I love this question. Um, and yes, it, it, it's been so fun to work with Leanne because she is like an athlete in what she does. And we see her hormones adapt positively or favor or, or, or not positively um, based off of the output of energy. When she has to push through that, that progesterone stage because she has a whole bunch of tour, you know, shows to go to, she comes home and we have some hormonal repair to do. So, you know, I, I love that you're like, I want to relate to her. Um, but what I hope everybody hears in that episode is we are her. Yeah. We're all women. We're True. all in. <laughs> and she wants you to know that, too. And that's part of why she's being so vocal. So, um, you know, that's the first thing to know. The second thing to know is as an athlete, when we have estrogen coming in, if you are a cycling athlete, estrogen in the comes in strong in the first 10 days of our cycle. So day one through day 10, as estrogen is building, all of your extreme working out is, is beautiful then. If you want to push your workout, if you want to do you know massive cardio, if you want to do a Spartan race, if your trainer is like, we're stepping it up, that's the 10-day period to do it. Now, once you move into ovulation, estrogen is at her peak. Now, what's interesting about that is that estrogen at it at her peak makes the ligament, the part of the muscle that attaches to the bone, makes the ligament more rigid and makes the tendon more flexible. So that actually during ovulation, because of the high peak of estrogen, that is the worst time to do plyometric type work where you could jump and you could pull a muscle because that ligament is so tight. Now, you'd say that to a perimenopausal woman who's in her 40s and is losing estrogen, you know, has got some collagen issues because of the, the wild ride estrogen goes on. So it's even more. I mean, this was my story. I, I, I kept running and running and, and running, and, and, which was my, my, my mental drug of choice. And I kept injuring myself, and then I would run more, and I'd injure myself, and it's because I never knew how to work with estrogen. Now, now the other thing that happens at, at ovulation is you have the most amount of testosterone. Testosterone builds muscle. The only reason men have more muscle than women is they get more testosterone pulses. So we can use testosterone's appearance during ovulation as a great time to build muscle. So there's the, something that I've been thinking of, like, why is women... Have we been doing weekly workout routines? We all look at our, and I did this myself. We all look at our weekly schedule and we're like, oh, okay, on Monday, I'll do cardio. Tuesday, I'll lift. Wednesday, I'll recover. I want women to start looking at their monthly yes. calendar and see that as, the as how they need to do their workouts. So with that, what I want, what I want women to know is if you want to build muscle, pick up some heavy weights during ovulation. And why don't you on, let's say on day 11 of ovulation, you do buys and tries and you do it with the heaviest weight possible and you're doing it slow. You don't want it fast because we've got this unique tendon presentation that, that and ligament. So you want heavy weights that you do slow, but you have testosterone. So testosterone is going to help you build muscle. Then what about if the next day you do um, pecs and back and then the next day you do butts and, and thighs? And the next day you do abs. So throughout your whole ovulation window, you are leaning into strength training. 
And then when you come out of ovulation, all the hormones dip. So you have about a five-day period where you can up cardio again. The, 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 your hormones are low. So oh pulse your cardio. And then when you come into progesterone day 20, it's at its peak and progesterone needs you to relax. So do the, your recovery. Do all your yoga. Do all your Pilates. Do that during that week. That's how we should be looking at a conditioning okay. cycle for a woman. Uh, the brain blow. Like I am just sitting here going, what is wrong with us? I've right. never, ever heard someone suggest that kind of training plan. I wish I was 29 again. Me I can, I can still do it. We can still do it. It's just that we're not going to like, you know, win the big bucks anymore. No, I think all the time I'm like, the more I know about my hormones, I'm like, oh, I miss my 25-year-old self. She could have done things so much differently. She took it all for granted. Yeah, <laughs> and this is why I, I really feel like as, you know, I, I don't know the general age of your audience, but those of you that are listening and hearing this, we need to go down and, and teach the younger generation. Um, we really, um, th- I think that's super important. Well, I think a lot of us who are listening, including me, are um are like in the perimenopause menopause kind of cycle of life and so we have kids that we yep. can teach this That's philosophy right. to That's right. and you know actually this is a, kind of a different hormone rabbit hole but i find it so unfair maybe it's more unfair to men maybe it's it doesn't even matter to us but that we're going through menopause when our kids are starting to have oh. puberty it's like the the house is just one huge hormone and everything is crazy and there's so much emotion. Have you like studied any of this or do you do any no, work in this I area? The same thing when I went through perimenopause. I'm like, are you, are you kidding me? Like I've got a teenage, a teenage girl at home who's going through new, new patterns of her cycle. And it was really then that our, our relationship so dramatically changed and for the worse. And I, you know, it just was just hor- two hormonal battles going on. So I, I think, you know, my next book, I've actually gone on contract with it, with Hay House, and I'll be writing it here in, you know, in a couple of weeks after, you know, I, I get past the initial book launch stuff, um, is going to be on the female, what happens to the female brain after 40. Because what happens when our hormones go down is we're now neurochemically ill-prepared to handle stress. And you put a teenager in your household at that same time, and what I want to do is help give women tools on how to navigate that. And there are a lot of tools you can lean into. There's a lot. But it starts with an awareness to know that you have chemically changed and she and your child, your daughter has chemically changed. So compassion, conversation, you both understanding where you are in your hormonal journey is going to help. But um, it's a tough one. It's, it's a tough one, but it's, but it's doable. Yeah. I mean, I want to be one of your test subjects. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Oh, um, I'll help in this. And my daughter is just turned 11. So she could be the test on the other side. Yeah. You know, and I think too, like we're talking, it's mostly women who are listening, but, um, you know, men need to be educated on this too, because I, you know, recently I, I did a, a little public speaking event and there was an audience of men and women and, we were talking about like stress or something. And I was like, well, here's all the different, some different ways that it might manifest. And then I looked at the list and I go, or those could all just be perimenopause symptoms. And all the women laughed and a lot of the guys rolled their eyes. And I was like, I, 
I don't mean that, you know, like, why would they do that? Because they, they're like, I'm tired of hearing about this one big excuse. Or, or is it just because they don't know and they're uncomfortable? It, well, I think it's twofold. One, I, I've heard a lot of men say that, like, ooh, I can't go. Like when I say, oh, yeah, we're really moody the week before our periods. And they're like, ooh, I'm glad you said that, not me. Uh-huh. Um, and what I, this is why I think it starts with women understanding ourselves. Because if we understood ourselves, then we could say, hey, you know what? It's the week before my period. I'm just, I'm really needing some alone time. I, I'm, I'm not handling stress well. I need you to back away. And we could say it in a way that wasn't uh, blamey to the men in our lives. And I think if we opened that conversation up with men in a compassionate way, and it would allow men to, to see us in a, a healthier light, and it would allow them to support us. It's that we don't understand ourselves. So when our hormones go off, we start lashing out at the men in our lives and all they see is a moody woman. And what we don't realize is that shuts them down. So us taking our own ownership over this emotional spectrum that we've got is going to free men up to start to, to have a more collaborative conversation with us. Yeah. And, and I, you know, we've, there's been a lot of talk in the world about, you know, pa- the patriarchal culture, but really the next step is a marriage of the matriarch and the patriarch. And, and that starts with women softening and knowing that, you know, we just need to, to understand ourselves and then be able to explain ourselves to men in a way that doesn't put them down. Right. And, you know, we, we like to communicate women yes, in general. We do. That's we estrogen. That is too funny. Hey, friends, quick break to share an awesome offer from our sponsor, Inside Tracker. This series is all about health. It's about prioritizing our personal wellness at every stage of life. Because let's face it, when our physical health is not optimal, everything else starts to fall apart. Remember when my back, my broken back started to get bad and I was eventually just slowly relegated to the couch and standing for 10 minutes. And yeah, I started to get depressed. I mean, this is what happens when our bodies are not obeying us. And the more we can learn about them from the inside out, the better off we're going to be. Inside Tracker makes it easy for you to analyze your body with convenient local or mobile, like at your home, blood draw services. They give you an expert analysis of your biomarkers and suggestions on how to improve them so that you can be the healthiest person you can be in body and, of course, in your mind. So be sure to take advantage of our offer from Inside Tracker to be the best advocate for your own health that you can be. For a limited time, Run This World listeners get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. So visit insidetracker.com forward slash run this world. Make sure you go there. Then they'll know that you found them through me. And if you have any questions, I am here for you. Just email Nicole at NicoleDeBoom.com. I'll get back to you. All right, everybody. That's it for now. Let's get back to the show. One of the things that just hit me, are you still with me here? Yeah, internet just went. Yep, yeah, yep, yep. We got a little. I fall off. Okay, I'm going to pause here. Hold on. Are you okay. there? Tell me when you're back. 
called? Yeah. If you have to um, go out and come back in, that's fine too. Okay. Let's see. Oh, there you're back. You're moving again. You're not frozen. Am I back? Out. Yeah. Oh, am I back? Because I was about to put it on my personal hotspot. Look um, at you. Okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. You're Can great. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. I might not okay. even edit that. That was like the best, you know. <laughs> it's right there. You should say something in the intro because that's hormones. You're going along. You're like, I'm good. I'm good. Wait. Whoa. What just happened? The yes. Some, something hit us, like side blinded us. Um, I love it. So uh, one thing that also just hit me is that you're living in a world that is very stigmatized. Like people until recently, I think pe- women didn't even say the word period in public. Like you wouldn't talk about this stuff. It felt too embarrassing, right? And so even to talk with other women, now women are way more open with each other about it, but still having trouble talking about it with men. So I think you navigate this world of stigma, this polarized world really well. And what I love that what you're doing is bringing this conversation out in general. Right, right. And, so cool. and, and women, what I want you to know is that if you're frustrated with the men in your life and you feel like they don't get you, get to know your hormones first. And then once you understand your hormones, you're going to be able to explain it to them better. Um, I mean, a great example that of, of how I've used this in my own marriage is that um, I've learned as I went through perimenopause that on the days that I had a lot of testosterone building activities, like like what I've done with the book launch, um, that at the end of the day, when I'm using testosterone, I've got to stop and let estrogen reboot. And estrogen rebooting means me doing anything that brings me joy. I just did this yesterday. I got off a whole bunch of interviews and my family was waiting to go to dinner with me. And I said, I, I need a moment to recalibrate. And I literally sat on the couch and just did things that made me happy, watched a little movie. I mean, they're waiting for me for dinner. And I'm like, just give me a half hour. I just need a half hour. And I was able to get my, my estrogen to start to slowly come back up because I know that when I do things that bring me joy, it raises estrogen as a perimenopausal woman. I was able to spot, pause for a moment and then I could go in and be a better member of the family. So, and I do this with my husband where I'm like, don't tell me a problem right now. It's been a testosterone driven day for me. I just, I I can't problem solve very well. So give me a moment and I'll walk away for an hour and I'll come back and I'm like, okay, now you can tell me what's, what you wanted to talk to me about. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. How do we know when we're having a testosterone day? You know, how do we know what that feels like? So, um, you know, I think... We have to, again, this is all, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, shoot, how would I, how would I get to that? You know, my, my feeling is that we just need, we need to understand the language of hormones. I, you know, I was, I was talking to a woman the other day who had me on her podcast and she said, I speak four languages. And I said, oh, wow, that's amazing. What languages do you speak? And she said, well, the first one I speak is the language of the body. And I was like, wait, 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 I speak that language too. (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and she went on to tell me the other three. But, you know, in order for you to understand what a testosterone driven day is, you need to understand the language of hormones, which is what I'm trying to teach. And you'll get a good grasp of that in Fast Like a Girl and, and, the, and the books I write in going forward until we're all speaking the language of hormones. This is my this is my mission. But um, 
Testosterone-driven days are when you are on that constant go. So, you know, I've been doing this book launch and it's been interview after interview after interview. As much as I love them, I'm enjoying this conversation with you. I love meeting new people. Um, at the end of the day, I have used up all my testosterone stores because testosterone is motivation and drive. So for us to stay motivated and driven to put in a long day requires a whole lot of testosterone. Whereas on Saturday, if I'm just hanging out, going to the farmer's market, do some yoga, clean the house, just kind of like chilling, sit and watch some, some movies, what happens there is that I'm not using testosterone. So, it, you know, it, that's not a testosterone-driven day. That's more of a, a progesterone-supporting day. So that's how we've got to start to look at it. And once we understand our behaviors and how they relate to our hormones, now we're going to be able to let the people around us know, here's what's going on with me. Well, this is so interesting because, yeah, we're talking about on a daily level, but immediately I was like, I just came off of 15 plus years, 15 plus testosterone driven years. And no wonder two years later, I'm still tired and needing to rest. That's right. Because it takes it out of you when you do, when you have these big pushes, these big chapters in your life. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to learn more about this language. I think we should start talking about fasting then. Hey, oh my God. We're talking, we're here. I know. I love everything um, you're talking about. It's great. I know. I mean, it's all, it's all the same thing. But your new book, Fast Like a Girl. First of all, I love the title. I love that you genderized it because why? Yeah. yeah. And the men aren't the same? Huh? Right. So <laughs> the title the title's really interesting because I've had so many people go, I love the title. And I've had a, a handful of people say, but I'm not a girl. So, oh. so. Yeah. I get let's it. Go, right. So yeah. let's go back to why the title. Um, you know, there has been, you know, a lot of the principles of this book is about women taking our power back. And one of the ways we start to take our health power back is understanding that our bodies perform differently. And when we go and we look at that, what like some slang that has been sent our way, we'll say, don't throw like a girl, don't run like a girl. I mean, Leanne did an amazing job in her forward in the book talking about how you know, that highlighting that that is considered a negative. And I will tell you as a as a tomboy, I was like so proud of the fact that I threw like a boy. I was like, I throw like a boy. That's amazing. But what I've what the 53-year-old woman in me has come to realize is that actually doing things like a girl is part of our superpower. And so I wanted to bring back this idea that fasting like a girl, running like a girl, throwing like a girl is actually in alignment with our feminine body. And I have a a cousin who is a feminist philosophy teacher. And when I went to pick the title, I went to her because I thought, let me go to the most feminist woman I know and ask her what she thinks of the title. I'm like, would you be insulted with the word girl? And she pointed me to an essay. That was written in the 70s. I wish I, I can remember the woman's name. Um, and in the essay, it's the, the title of the essay is Throw Like a Girl. So you can go and Google it. And she, it's a beautiful essay that brings to light the kinesiology behind why women would, why a girl would throw different than a man. Mm. And it has to do with our arm length. It has to do with our torso length. It has to do with our hip width. 
It has to do with our muscle structure that is natural to a feminine body. And when I read that, I was like, this is exactly why I wanted this title, because the whole premise of Fast Like a Girl is do it for your feminine body. And let's take back ownership of run like a girl, throw like a girl, fast like a girl. And if you're a 55-year-old woman, you're like, but I'm not a girl. It's it's fine. It's just a term that I used because it's that phrase and that slang that has been put out there as a derogatory statement to us. And I wanted to rebrand it. I love it. You yeah. got me. Shit. I okay. actually didn't. I, I immediately just saw it and thought, finally, somebody's addressing things from a gender basis. Yeah. I wasn't at all offended by the word girl. But then again, I used to own a women's clothing company and I named our products like the gym girl, the marathon wow, girl, the happy girl. Right. You know, I, I just there was something about that word that also made me happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, it, it, you know, if you have a good childhood and you think of the playful girl, you know, and in a lot of what I'm teaching and what we're talking about, I just encourage us as, you know, as we age, I feel like we need to go down to the to the girls, to the teenage girls. Yeah. And we need yeah. to have these mm-hmm. conversations. So the idea behind Fast Like a Girl was just really opening up the conversation for all women, including women, you know, the teenagers that are stepping into puberty. Well, let me tell you, if it was Fast Like a Woman... Right. You would sort of. Yeah. You'd be like, huh, I don't know about that. You just said it. It's more playful. Yeah. And I think of fasting as deprivation, starvation. You can't do things like it's a term fasting in itself. I think for most people comes across as something very hard, very yeah. negative. Um, and so I like the idea that you're adding a little bit of lightness and playfulness into it. So maybe we should hit on that topic, though. Like when I think of fasting, I think of deprivation. Yeah. Is oh, that- I love that. Tell me about yeah. that. OK, so here's what I want people to know about fasting is it's your natural way to be just it's healing, just like sleep is healing. And yet most of us have never entered into fasting. And so it's hard to do in the beginning. And here's here's the best way to look at it. You have two energy systems, one where you gain energy from the food you eat. We call that the. I feel like I lost. Oh, did I lose you? You just said we call that the shh. And I was like, shit, we call that the the shit part. What is that? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You're back. Yeah. Another hormone break. Another hormone break. Sorry. We should call it the menopausal woman break. That's how our brains work. We're going along and then boom, it's gone. It's just the way the the internet's following our trajectory, our hormonal trajectory. I love it. So, um, so yeah. So the, um, the, uh, now, now my hormonal brain was, wait, we we were talking about deprivation. Oh yeah. You were saying it's their natural way to be. It's, you know, so continue on. Yes. So the sugar burner system is, you know, every freaking, not the, not, I didn't, I, I do swear, but it probably sounded like I was going to throw it an S bomb. Shit out there. burner. Yeah. A shit burner on. system. But, um, <laughs> but here's what every diet we've ever been on, every diet, all we've been doing is trying to manipulate the sugar burner system. And what we need to do to change the diet culture and change this conversation is we need to realize that there's another energy system. There is another way you get energy. 
And it's not optional. Your body actually wants you to get energy from there. And it's called the fat burning energy system. So here's how it works. When you stop eating, your blood sugar goes down. About eight hours after your last morsel of food went in your mouth, what happens is your body starts to switch over into this fat burning energy system. We call it metabolic switching. I put a whole chapter on it in the book. Now, what happens is if you've never gone eight hours without food, you don't even know this whole system. It's a completely foreign to you. So at about 12 hours of fasting, you're, you're safely in the system, the new system, and your body is making another fuel source called ketones. And ketones are incredibly powerful for your brain and for your mitochondria. In fact, 50% of the fuel that your brain uses is ketones. So if you've never gone eight hours without food, you've never worked to go into this fat-burning system, you are depriving, talk about deprivation, you are depriving your brain of 50% of its fuel source. This is Alzheimer's. This is memory loss during menopause. This is dementia. This is mood disorders because you're not giving the brain the fuel source that it needs. So we, this is why I want everybody to fast. So once you get into the fat burning system and ketones are made, what ketones are going to do is they're going to go up and shut off your hunger hormone. So at about 14 to 15 hours, you might be like, okay, I listened to these two crazy women on this podcast. I jumped into fasting. I'm 15 hours in and I just want to freaking kill everybody. <laughs> Uh, the, the reason for that is because the system is rusty. You haven't, you haven't lubricated your metabolic switch. So give it some time, give it some repeti repetition, and you will start to see that 16 hours, 17 hours, if you do it enough time, you might even notice that 13 hours, 14 hours, you're going to get ketones. And all of a sudden, there's this magic moment. And the magic moment is when the hunger turns off, you literally go from a place of, I'm hungry, I'm irritable, I can't think straight, something distracts you, and then all of a sudden you go, wait a second, I'm not hungry. Wait a second, my mind is working really clear. And you, you start to feel the effects of these ketones. And in the book, I map out six different length fasts, and at each marker of these fasts, another healing power tick, uh, kicks in. So think of it like a magic wand you've been given, yet nobody showed you that it was there. Nobody showed you how to use it. Nobody told you that you had this magic wand. And now you go into fasting and you've got the magic wand. How you use that magic wand in that fasted, fat-burning state is up to you. You might wave the magic wand and say, help me lose weight, and your body will do that. You might wave the magic wand and say, I need gut repair. Your body will do that. You might wave the magic wand and say, I need my whole dopamine system to rebooted, be rebooted. You can do that. And that's what these six fasts are doing is that they're teaching you this new system that you've never known about. And so it feels like deprivation because you're not familiar with it. Well, it feels also like deprivation because you're not just shoving food in your mouth to make you feel emotionally better about whatever it is you're doing, right. you know? So because you're not adding to your body, you feel like you're depriving your body. But it sounds like what's happening 
is that there actually is a magic pill for something out there. Most magic pills are just that. They're magic. They don't exist. They're not real. But yeah. this magic pill might be real. It is real. And it's it's within you. It's so well said. It's within you. And it's free. It it's is free. free. You it's it's actually, have... no, you save money. You save money. Let's, good point. Take more vacations. Okay, I kind of want to myth bust a couple things. Great, let's go for it. Okay, so fast, you only, here's a myth. You would fast only because you want to lose weight. Yeah. Is losing weight the only reason to do a fast? Uh, it's a great, it's a great myth. And so what I see with most people is the door into fasting is motivation to lose weight. And so what happens is once you start to lose weight, if you're doing it for weight loss, you get momentum and momentum then has you intrigued about all the other things that can happen um, in there. Now, if you're somebody who doesn't want to lose weight, then you might say, well, then fasting isn't my tool. Well, I'm going to ask you to rethink that because once you're in this fat burner energy system, you can upregulate growth hormone that slows, slows the aging process down. You can get yourself more testosterone, which is going to help with preserve muscle and motivation, drive, libido. You can get more GABA that will calm your brain. You can repair your gut. Uh, you can detox yourself. You can reboot your immune system and you can reboot your your, your uh, dopamine system. Uh, and all of that can happen. And, and, and if weight is of concern, too little weight, then when you start to eat again, you just eat. You just bring back the food. So, you know, it's you there's a there's this neurochemical magic that happens and weight loss just happens to be one of the biggest, biggest benefits. And that's why it gets so much press. So maybe it's fair to say that a desire to lose weight is the gateway drug into yes. fasting. Yes. That's what. So I always say if if fasting was a party you were going to and you you might be motivated to go because you heard you could lose weight. But once you get there, I hope you'll stay to see that you can improve your mental health, your gut, your, your repair your gut, autoimmune conditions. I wrote about all these in the book, your thyroid conditions, everything you're trying to heal. You just it was just weight loss that drove you to the party. Yes. And, you know, you also hit on the dopamine effect. And that was one thing, again, in your Leanne conversation. And I really experienced very, very uh, significantly as an athlete is that you would go to, in my world, a race. You would have a buildup. You would do this big event. And afterward, you would crash. And sometimes right. for a week, sometimes for a few days, you know, until you could finally force your body to turn around. And I remember Leanne saying, well, I'd have to do that every night. And I was like, my gosh, that's so extreme. That's so hard on your body. Right. You know, we all love the feeling of dopamine. Can't we just hang out in that arena forever? But we can't. It like blows everything else out if we hang out in there too long, right? So let's talk about dopamine for a minute. I'm sorry, I'm getting all, you're, you're exciting you're my like brain. Giddy. I know, I'm getting I want to hear. dopamine. Yeah, do dopamine is the molecule of more, which means it's never satisfied. Really? So dopamine is going to drive you to the fasting party. You're going to say, oh, my God, I haven't tried fasting for weight loss. And dopamine's going to come in and go, yep, go to the party. But then, you know, once you start to fast and you lose weight, uh, dopamine's gone. And so it's never satisfied. It only is a motivating neurochemical. And so we've got to learn how to build up serotonin because serotonin 
is what calms us and, and, and makes us just feel yummy and happy. And guess what one of the precursors for serotonin is? What? Estrogen. Of course. So all my menopausal women, as we're going through menopause, we're losing estrogen, which means we don't have a major precursor to, to serotonin, which means that we walk around and we're like, we're not really happy. And that's the whole premise of the next book. Oh, my gosh. I want to add a layer. So in my old life, I abused alcohol in big copious amounts and had a terrible problem with it. And I've been sober for 15 years. Yay. Awesome, yeah, right? Congrats. But how does this whole cycle and fasting and dopamine all like come into play for people who suffer from addictions like that, whether yeah. it's drugs, alcohol or other addictions? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've learned a lot about the dopamine system. Um, with this journey with Leanne, because think about the dopamine hit that she gets every time she goes up on stage. And we talked yeah. about that in the podcast, like insane. So we've had to really, over the last year, work out little dopamine hits and figuring out where else she can get micro dopamine hits that that may satisfy her as much so that she doesn't go from just needing the stage dopamine and then getting and then crashing, but that she can build other dopamine hits into her life. Now, everybody's journey with their dopamine hits is going to be different. So I can just share with you some of them that that we have found work. Um, for starters, you know, dopamine loves novelty. So anything that's new, so a new book, a new a new health concept, uh, a new podcast you're listening to, a new conversation. No doubt you and I are getting dopamine right now because this is a new experience for both of us. So putting yourself in new experiences. I'll give you an example where I use it. I have a value system that when I go out to eat, I look for the most unusual food on the menu and I eat that. And I eat it for two reasons. One, to be able to help strengthen my microbiome. My microbiome likes diversity, but it also gives me a dopamine hit. The other day I was at a, at a, at a restaurant and, um, and, uh, beef tongue was on the menu. And I was like, no, I'm not having beef tongue. And my sister was like, have you ever had it? It's really good. And so the whole talking about it, having it, eating it was a dopamine rich experience. So we are creatures of routine and we want to do the same, same. So if we want to rebalance that dopamine system, we need to have micro dopamine hits. And so in those micro, micro dopamine hits, the best door in is anything that's new to your brain. Fine. Honestly, that's probably why when people switch over into some new diet regime, they feel like they can conquer the world, yes. but it's a honeymoon phase. I know it doesn't last. Oh my God. Okay, wait, there's so much. We, we're running out of time. Another myth. I can't fast when I am a serious athlete. Ooh. So this is where you fast like a girl. So, um, and it, then you should train like a girl. So, you know, the, I would say that as a serious athlete, you, you can do shorter fasts. You can do intermittent fasts, um, except the week before your period. So let's just, let's just make it super simple. Throw some intermittent fasting in, except the week before your period. Now, I want to talk about my best training fasting for every athlete. And yes. I um, I just had a beautiful conversation with the uh, UFC uh, fighter, Misha Tate. Um, and I and I rolled, I said, Misha, and she's actively training. I'm like, I want you to try this hack and report back to me how it works. And here's what it is. 
When you work out in a fasted state, and this can be as little as 13 hours, it doesn't have to be big, your body moves into a state of autophagy where it is getting rid of what's not working for you. In state, you're going to dump glucose from your stored sugar or stored sugar from your tissues, including the muscle tissues. This is actually advantageous for, for the athlete because with more glucose pouring into your muscles, you're going to have more power in whatever the workout is. So it's actually brilliant to work out in a fasted state because you're going after that's you're, you're utilizing your body's natural ability to dump sugar into the muscle. And now you're glucose driven in that fasted state. Now, here's the catch is that when you're done working out, you need to power up on protein. And specifically, you need to um, do 30 grams of protein at that first meal. Now, the reason that this is wow. important is that's that, a lot. It, yeah. And so what 30 grams will do is it will trigger an amino acid receptor site in the muscle that tells the muscle to burn, to build stronger. Now, if you want to keep that going because you're trying to build muscle, every two to three hours after that, have another 30 grams of, of protein until you go to bed. You can still have carbs. You can still do all the other things. But if you start dosing this 30 grams of protein every two to three hours in your eating window, you are fueling your muscles in a way that will make them more functional. Oh. You throw some carbs into that, and then the next day you go and work out in a fasted state, there's so much glucose in that muscle, it starts dumping it, and then you rebuild it with food. And it, it, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen for building, building muscle. It is the best fitness hack I've ever seen. Oh, I love it. Okay. Athletes, let's all do it and report back. Yeah. Report okay. back. One last myth before we get to wrapping here. There's no way that fasting could actually heal an injury like my Achilles tendonitis. Oh, I think I read about my, yeah, thank you. I'm like, wait, do you know? Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you know, you, she's just for everybody to know. Yeah, you know that Nicole is um, is commenting on my story, and it was a beautiful okay. story. So I had a pulled a Ken, uh, um, Achilles tendon um, from running too much in my forties, which was just I wasn't varying my workouts, I wasn't minding estrogen, and my husband is an avid soccer player, and I watched him have an Achilles tendon injury the year before, and it did not look fun. And I was like, okay, if there's anything I don't want, it's that. So I, as it pull, as I felt the Achilles pull, I was, I tried everything, massage, chiropractic, acupuncture, all the biohacks, and it, it just wasn't going away and I wasn't able to run. So in, at last resort, I'm like, okay, let me just throw a three to five day water fast at it. And I started with, let me start to start with three days because I knew at the third day, stem cells start surging through the body. And stem cells, what they will do is repair injured body parts. So on the third day, I asked myself, I'm like, do you feel any different in the Achilles? And it was feeling subtly different, but not like hugely different. So I said, okay, well, let me go four days. Fourth day, it started to, it started to feel better. By the fifth day, it was completely gone. And I, and it never, ever, ever returned ever, ever. Like, so two days of, of stem cells surging through my body was was enough to heal this injury that could have been a surgical issue. 
That's the power of, of a longer fast. Oh, I just want to keep going. <laughs> you have the world to conquer and more people to help. Um, unless there is anything else pressing that you're like, oh, we just have to hit on this. I'm going to go into our final question. What do you yeah, think? No, I, I just my message to everybody is I hope I have you enthusiastic about it. And then just like fitness, there's a training process to this. So that's why in the book, I give the 30-day reset for beginners and there's an advanced version. Um, so I give you some of those training tools. We have a free fasting group on Facebook called the Resetter Collaborative. You can come find that. Um, but so be curious with these principles. Be curious about it. And you will find that there's an art to this fasting lifestyle that you'll build for yourself. Um, but but it's it's really, truly an art and it should be unique to you. You may have just answered the final question I ask every guest who comes on the show. And if you did, great. But I'm still going to I'm still going to, you know, lead you with this. Excellent. Um, If you can leave our listeners with one final piece of advice, one little nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? Oh, it's you're living in a miracle. Your body is a miracle. You have everything you want to be happy, everything you want to heal, everything you want to create in life that exists in your body. The challenge that you have been faced is that you've grown up in a healthcare system that has taken that power away. You are, have been operating in a healthcare system that has given the power to the doctors and to the medication, even to the supplements. And what my plea is for you is to take your power back and get to know your own body and you be your own advocate, your own best doctor, because inside of you is healing happening at a level that, that nobody could ever replicate. So keep believing in yourself. You rock. <laughs> Thank you, Nicole. Appreciate you. Appreciate you.